I'm Stephen Falla, and you're listening to Pipe and Drape, the only podcast that spotlights the creative minds behind the theater for young audiences industry. Every two weeks, I sit down with a children's theater professional to hear their stories about the audition, rehearsal, and development process of theater for young audiences. Each of them have bridged the path from youth to adulthood while living in worlds created for children. My guests have mounted shows small enough to fit in a minivan to productions so big they travel by caravan. You can join the conversation by emailing pipeanddrapestories at gmail.com or messaging pipeanddrapestories on Instagram. On this, the very first episode of the series, my guest breaks down the definition of a pipe and drape show, the most common type of setting in the theater for young audiences industry, and their experience operating as half of a two-person branch of a larger company. Thank you for listening with me today. Today's guest is actor Terrence Jackson. His recent work includes Barter Theater, Hangar Theater, Georgia Shakespeare, The Players Theater, a couple of Steve Martin plays down in Birmingham, Alabama, and the touring company of the Barter Players, the Player Encore Company, and TheaterWorks USA. He received an Irene Ryan Award nomination for his performance in Twelfth Night at University of Central Florida and is a past recipient of the John Ringling Towers Performing Arts Award. Terrence is now an actor and creative content specialist at Barter Theater and an associate editor for the Popcast Media Group. He is a host, MC, and spokesperson, most recently for Bancorp South. Terrence and I met in the heart of Appalachia, where I was literally the Christopher Robin to his Winnie the Pooh six days a week, and he is down there making magic today. Between performing and rehearsing the summer rep for Barter at the Moonlight Drive-In and working at the marketing team for Barter Theater, Terrence is joining me to discuss his time performing on tour with the Minneapolis-based company National Theater for Children. Terrence, welcome. I am so happy that you can join me. Listen, that intro was everything for me. <laughs> that was an incredible intro. Honestly, I'm going to use it for everything. And when people ask me about myself, I'm just going to say, hold on, let me just play the intro from Pipe and Drape, the podcast. And and then that'll tell you everything you need to know about me. So th- thanks for that intro, brother. <laughs> it was so hard to narrow it down. And I wish, you know, there are so many visuals that I wanted to. It's like, how do I? <laughs> I of course, just of course. promo work that you've done and some incredible like media that you have just created. And so many things, uh, just memories that I have of things that you made just for fun. Uh, when we were down there working together, you you wrote a song that we ended up all dancing to at the late <laughs> cabaret. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so when you when you were a kid, did you find yourself just creating constantly or making up songs? Like, what did you do as a creative outlet? Yeah, what a great question. I my mom. She works at she worked at the county jail. She just uh, retired a few years ago. So shout out to my mom for retiring. But she worked at the county jail for over 30 years. So that was her day job. But at night, she would do community theater. And I, my sister, who's 10 years older than, than me, she's also a performer. We would go to the theater, you know, at night or be at rehearsals or go see a play that she was in. But it wasn't until middle school where I had a I was in, I went to a performing arts middle school. So I was, I was in orchestra band and I was also in drama. And my orchestra teacher said, Terrence, you know, you're, you're good at music. You're also good at acting. You should do this thing called musical theater. And I said, 
what? Not knowing that like, literally that's what I had grew up going to see my mom in plays. Like I didn't know it was called musical theater. And she was like, yeah, you know, you should audition for the high school, audition for the theater program. And so I did. So I, I auditioned and I, I remember like it was yesterday, Steve, I, I got in like, I was the last person of the day, you know, I had my monologue prepared and everything. And yeah, I, I got in to, to the performing arts high school for drama. But before, before that, like as a kid, I was just, you know, you hear stories about people who, um, you know, were creating from very young, like, I, I didn't do that. But like, my mom has a ton of VHS tapes of me, just like, being creative in the front yard, or like, how I would mess around with my sister. Like when I look back on that now, I'm like, oh, that was a creative way to annoy my sister. You know what I mean? But like, I don't think I was like trying to be creative out. It just happened to be like, oh, that's a pretty genius way to like annoy uh, my tenure. Like my, my sister who's 10 years older than me, you know? But it, it really wasn't until like I got into high school and I was doing theater that I like found out like what creativity means and what it looks like. But I was obsessed, you know, we're going to talk about this a lot, obviously, Theater for Young Audiences. I was obsessed with, like, children's television shows. Like, that's that's where it all began for me. Like, anything from Sesame Street to Nickelodeon had this show that was in the 90s called Roundhouse. You got to look this thing up. I mean, it's called Roundhouse. It was my favorite show. And the only reason why I knew about it was because my sister is older than me. And they would they would sing, dance, and, like, improv on this show. And I remember telling myself, I want to do that. Like, I want to do that in front of a live audience, you know, sing, dance and do improv. And so that's where it began. Stuff like that, like being inspired by uh, reading Rainbow and like a show called Gullah Gullah's Island. You, you know, it. I know. You know I it. love Gullah Gullah Island. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gullah Gullah Island was everything for me. And so, you know, when I look back, like that was the foundation for for me as a creative was like, I, I wanted to create content for young people that inspired me, you know, like that, that that's inspiring, like it inspired me. So yeah, yeah, then I went to college and got my degree in acting and, and the rest is kind of history. What was the bridge between going to school to study theater even further and then ending up on a tour with National Theater for Children? The bridge, I guess for that was, uh, I was finishing up working at the Barter Theater pretty closely after we did uh, Winnie the Pooh together. After that contract was coming to a close, which I had spent 15 months at Barter at that time. Yeah, my next contract after that uh, was National Theater for Children, NTC. You'll hear me refer to it as. And NTC was super cool because at that time, they were one of the like, and they, they probably still are. At that time, they were one of the biggest touring companies for for young audiences. I mean, they were they were everywhere. They were all over different states. So the show I was doing was called The Resource Raiders, and it was an improv show. It was an improv-based show about science. <laughs> and so it was cool because, like, we we got a script, but in the script, there was, like, tons of space for, like, and this is where you will do an improv game show, <laughs> you know, or this is where you would do an audience participation. So, like, the entire show, like we had characters we played, like a mad scientist and stuff like that, but it was heavily influenced on what the audience gave us. And so that was kind of cool. Yeah. So I did that right after, right after being a, being a player. 
this sounds right down your alley, just knowing like that you had these MC and host skills and also just like improvisation in general. Did you have to do those things in your initial audition for NTC? Yeah, what a what a great question. So I auditioned for NTC at UPTA, which is the United Professional Theater Auditions that are held in Memphis. And yeah, they called me back and I did a really funny monologue for for my general audition. And so it was cool that they called me back. Uh, a lot of places that year that were doing like comedies, I got called back for, which was great. And so, yeah, I remember going into the audition and yeah, I'm pretty sure they like asked for like a funny story, you know, or asked for like some improv based things. And it was just kind of like an improv audition to kind of see how you, how you, you know, work on your feet. And so that was pretty cool. Um, but I, I also like to credit, <laughs> you know, my improv experience. Like if you can improv for middle and high school students, you can, you can MC and host for anybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's, there's no tougher crowd to me than a middle school, you know, gymnasium. <laughs> and you're talking about science. Like, are you kidding? Like nobody wants to hear that. Like, that is some serious training when it comes to, to like how to be, how to have composure in front of an audience. <laughs> we rehearsed, I want to say, I want to say it was a week or two weeks, but the thing about it was because they were rehearsing so many different shows, like we were probably one of maybe four other resource writers that were rehearsing at the same time. And so we would rehearse in the day, kind of like with our particular director. And then we would all show each other her versions of the resource readers. Like that's how we would practice the like improv parts. And so that was really cool, but also like nerve wracking a little bit. Cause you're watching like other people do your exact same show at the same time. But yeah, we rehearsed that for like a week. And because they have done this for years and years, it was like, all right, cool. You guys are just going to go and go to like our costume shop. Like there was like no fitting or anything. It was just like, we, we have something that fits your size because we've done this so much. Like there was, we just went to like this big room where they have all of their costumes and you go right to the resource writer section and like pull the stuff from your size because their stock was that big. And it was like, yeah, go ahead and go to the, you know, the resource writer set section and like pull your bag, which has all the pipes already in it, all the set already in it. They were like a well-oiled machine. And so what was the goal of the company by, by doing this uh, particular show? The goal, I think, was to try to get as much exposure in the arts while also partnering with um, companies that, uh, that had missions. For example, like we were sponsored by um, Duke Energy, um, which was in uh, South Carolina and North Carolina. They're like a big energy company there. And so like we partnered, like NTC partnered with them to kind of create the curriculum that we were talking about in the show. And that also worked with, you know, the South Carolina and North Carolina school systems. So all of that. So it was education and theater um, put together. But I mean, we there was there were touring shows all over the US. We weren't the only resource writers that were like out touring. We just happened to be stationed in North and South Carolina. It was a two-person tour. And so it was myself and my touring partner, her name is Kelsey. And we were in a car and like our entire set 
was able to be like put in a, a big duffel bag and we put that duffel bag in the back of the car and we would just like our, our set and our costumes were all in this duffel bag. Like we would literally put it over our shoulder and walk into a school and we would do like three to five shows a day. I mean, like it was, it was intense, like three to five shows a day. And they were like 45 minute shows. We might do three shows in North Carolina in the morning, then drive across the border to South Carolina and do three more shows. <laughs> Tell me more about this duffel bag that you were lugging across state lines and had everything inside of it. So so what were these these costumes and set pieces that you had to assemble and take care of uh, for five or six shows a day? Your podcast is called the Pipe and Drape Podcast, like the podcast. And so this show was literally a pipe and drape show. And so what that means is that you have pipe, which keeps the show, like which keeps the set up from falling, <laughs> right? And the drape that can either be your set or that can be like where you like change clothes, you know, behind, right? And so in this two person show, when the audience comes in, they see this pipe and drape up. And our set was like very sciencey, you know, it was like had the title of the show, like resource raiders on it. And then behind the, the drape, or some people call it a drop, behind that is where we would have like our props, um, any of our other costumes that were changing. But we set up everything because it was all pipes. So all we would do is break down those pipes and put them in the bag. We'd fold up the, the drop or we'd fold up the drape and put it in the bag, fold up our costumes, and we were able to go to the next venue. And like in National Theater for Children, because they do this so much, like, I mean, they had this thing down. They were like, this is exactly how you set it up. This is how you tear it down. Like we could, if we were running late, we could set up the show in under 15 minutes and do the thing. I mean, it was down to a T. I mean, it was like, if we were running late, we would be still be able to do it in, in less than 20 minutes. Wow. <laughs> in doing a show like that, you're educating kids, you're entertaining kids, and you're setting up, you're taking down. Mm -hmm. Did you have to handle uh, your, your own hotel bookings, uh, your own accommodations, checking in with schools, collecting fees? And what were your extra duties aside from the show itself? Yeah, we were responsible for, for booking our own hotels. We had like a budget um, and my partner was over, she, she was over the, the handling of the budget and the hotel bookings that we were due. And so, yeah, we would have a certain budget limit that she would have to hit. And then we would have to turn those receipts in every week. And so I was over like gas and like the car, you know, because we had to rent a car, we had to rent a vehicle. And so we had to turn in gas receipts, stuff like that. We also had check-ins, you know, with the week out calls, day of calls, you know, stuff like that to the potential venues that we were going to like month out calls like, hey, Terrence here from NTC, you know, we'll be doing the resource raiders at your school in a month on this day at this time, try to be like super specific, you know, because sometimes schools are like, oh, yeah, did we? Oh, yeah, we did do that. We did sign up for that, didn't we? You know, <laughs> and so if I remember correctly, I believe all of our shows from this particular show was sponsored by Duke Energy. So they were always free for the schools. So we didn't like, I don't, I don't remember us handling any checks or anything like that, but we didn't have to book our shows. Like I know some companies like the actors book the shows. NTC has a, 
incredible home office team um, and staff that does the like bookings. And so they would send us like our schedule and say, hey, this will be the schools that you'll hit. This is what the location of it. And then we would kind of handle the schedule from there. What were some kind of unusual things that you encountered when you were on the road with this company? I definitely have a story of, of one time where we were at a, uh, at a high school in South Carolina. <laughs> and again, this is an improv show and I take audience participation and I ask, like, I'm like doing this funny bit, right? Doing this section. It's like, okay, who, who wants to participate in this next segment? People are like, students are raising their hands, like boom, boom, boom. And it's like, yeah, feeling good. And like, I point to this girl. <laughs> and the crowd goes, oh, like the, the entire crowd goes, oh. And as an actor, you go, oh, no, I've either made, I've, I just made a terrible decision. But I cannot, like, tell her to, like, sit back down, right? <laughs> I can't say, like, you need to sit back down because obviously something's going on. So she comes down, and I see an ankle bracelet on her and I'm like okay I'm either about to like be killed by this girl this like ninth grader or this is going to be really exciting and fun and so I like do the section it was incredible it was fun but afterwards the principal comes up and goes yeah like we didn't know what was going to happen like that that girl's on house arrest and like she like did this and this and I was like why did nobody tell us not to pick this girl like I could have been ended right here in front of all of these people did she have a good time I think she did like I really think she did like she she was laughing and joking but you know like I like to think that like you know maybe that had a that had a cool effect on her that like Somebody gave her a chance, you know, in this play about this improv show about science. I like to think that uh, that it, it, it maybe maybe it just like inspired her to do something else or like to do comedy, to, to be an educator, to do anything. Um, so I, I think about that often. <laughs> Being an actor, so many people see you. You'll never know how many lives you you touch mm -hmm. or people you impact just because, you know, you're performing for hundreds of people yeah. and they're going to take something away from that day, be it just an experience getting theater for maybe the first time or getting some science facts. Did you have to come in prepped with all sorts of uh, science answers for any questions the students may have had? <laughs> no we didn't like luckily the script was like the the parts that were scripted were were heavy with the like science facts and things so like when we did have to like really like educate we were equipped for that part we had a lot of questions from like teachers asking us about like their uh like their energy bills because they assumed that we were working for Duke Energy <laughs> because like that's who sponsored the show. So like a lot of times they thought that like we were coming from Duke Energy. <laughs> like we were actual representatives from Duke Energy. And it's like, no, no, no. We work for National Theater for Children. We just happen to be, our show just happens to be produced by Duke Energy. A lot of it was really like, hey, my bill was really high this month you know, can you help me with that? And it's like, 
no PE teacher, I can't help you with that. Uh, like, I don't, I don't really work for, like, I don't work for Duke Energy. I can't help you with that. <laughs> what did you do to conserve your own energy? Having so many shows to do a week, just staying vocally and like physically with it enough to just keep going with these shows and this travel hotel life. The way that I would like conserve my own energy was just like, we were, we were really quiet when we were not doing shows. And it's a two-person tour. I mean, like, we toured this thing for, like, a month and a half, two months, something like that. And it's just, like, doing anything with just one other person is difficult, right? You just tried not to be annoying, and you tried not to get annoyed by them. And I think we, we were just always tired, you know? So we were just, like, we just listened to music a lot and, like, got into our hotel, rested. We would get dinner you know, chat some then, but I talked a lot to, you know, my mom, family, friends on the phone, you know, you kind of, you know, you also try to give your tour partner some space to kind of like also be a human, you know, um, because you're, you're together all day. I totally understand that it's a lot to be working and living with the same person, especially on such a fast paced schedule. Yeah. What are some things that you have taken away from this experience performing for children? One, that an audience, like you can never judge an audience by how they look or how they come into the space. Because there's nothing more intimidating than a middle school or a high school audience walking into a gymnasium for an assembly, not even for like a show, for an assembly. They have no, no one wants to go to an assembly, right? And so like, I want to be clear, like they weren't, they, they weren't prepared to come in. We're going to go watch a play. We're going to go watch an improv show. They were coming for an assembly. Nobody wants to do an assembly, right? And then you pop up into a gymnasium and you're like, what's this pipe and drape set up with resources. I thought I was seeing, I thought the principal was going to talk for an hour. You just learn never to judge an audience by, by how they come into an auditorium because they will surprise you. If you come with your heart open, they will surprise you. And I also learned that, man, like the, there, there was no difference between North and South Carolina when it came to laughter. Like the, the sound of a young person laughing is just like one of the greatest sounds ever because you know how it was like being a young person and trying to be cool, trying to be seen or trying like not to be seen, you know, like you just want to try to blend in with everybody else. Like to have a young person laugh out loud. I mean, there's really not much better than that because I know the pressure of what it was like being a young person, like just trying to like be cool amongst your friends and like, you know, even laughing is a vulnerable thing, right? And so like, you know, that shows enjoyment. And sometimes it's like, oh, you think this is funny? You think this is cool? Like, oh, you're not cool. And so I never took that for granted, you know, walking into an auditorium and like saying, cool, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make those cool kids over there laugh today. And then if they don't, like, it's all good. Like, it's no, I also learned to take the pressure off myself too, of like, you know, an audience is gonna do what an audience does. Um, and that's a cool thing to learn when you can take that, you know, when you can take that pressure off yourself and say, I'm here to serve the play, you know, serve the playwright and um, to serve my fellow actor on stage. So I'm not going to do anything extra that's going to like throw, throw her off just because I want to, you know, a laugh or something like that. Like, yeah, I learned a lot, honestly, during those. I learned a lot. Terrence, thank you for speaking with me today. 
how can our listeners find you online to see more of your work? Yeah, you can find me like on my website, Terrence, that's T-E-R-R-A-N-C-E hyphen jackson.com or follow me on social media like at Instagram at Terrence D. Jackson. Be sure to check out Terrence's profile to see where his pipe and drape story has taken him. You can join the conversation about theater for young audiences and find more pipe and drape content, including photos, quotes, and TYA news on Instagram at Pipe and Drape Stories. And please be sure to rate and review Pipe and Drape wherever you listen to podcasts. Each star given or review submitted helps future listeners find the show. Be sure to tune in every other Tuesday to hear Theatre for Young Audiences creatives share their Pipe and Drape stories. Pipe and Drape is created and hosted by Stephen Falla and distributed by Anchor. Artwork for Pipe and Drape was created by Stephen Gordon and music was composed by Stephen Falla. Thank you for listening with me today. Thank you.